Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. As long as I continue to make everything look pretty and shiny on the outside, I didn't care how miserable and ugly I felt on the inside. I realized that I deserved a better me so I can be the wife and the mom that I really wanted to be. If you're ready to get real about addiction treatment, call Karen. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. All right. All right. Welcome, my friends, to a special episode of Benzinga Cannabis Hour. I'm Patrick Lane. This is Javier Haas. I am the lesser looking of the two of us. The the not so cool, not world traveled. Come on, this guy is awesome. If you guys don't know Javier Haas, you need to. Anyway, we have a really great show today. Somebody I'm really excited to talk to. Javi, who are we? Who are we talking to? Today? I mean, and, and probably the the hottest company today, the hottest cannabis stock of the day. Right, we have Steve Allen from the parent company that is G R A M F on the OTC. Once again, G R A M F on the OTC. And Steve is here to talk about earnings today, blowout, blowout earnings, and also about the company's new CEO. Guess what's special about this is the parent company is the first very large uh, publicly traded cannabis company to have a black man as a CEO. Sounds crazy? It is, but it's true, right? I mean, other than, than you know, Oladari, for instance, right? How many big public companies have black CEOs. You know, you look around and, and the numbers are, are just not there. So very exciting development on that front. And Steve will be sharing all the details. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And obviously, you know, for we can we can talk about diversity, we can talk about social inclusion. There's so many things um, that that obviously we're gonna highlight when it comes to that specific part of the conversation. This company, too, is really moving. seems like they are working on all cylinders. I'm excited to dive into the strategy, figure out where this company goes next. Let's, let's do it. Let's bring Steve over and, and let's jump in. Mr. Steve Allen, welcome back to Benzinga Cannabis Hour. Thanks, Javi. It's great to be here. Thanks, Patrick. Good to see you. Always good to see you, man. Let's start with, let's start with the big news, right? Let's start with uh, Troy Datcher coming in. Uh, as as the new CEO, tell us a little bit about this. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything behind the scenes that you can share in the decision making process and what it means for you guys? Yeah, no, I mean Troy, his his resume speaks for itself. I mean he he's got an, an incredibly distinguished career, really twenty five plus years in CPG, a vast majority of that with uh, Clorox here in the Bay Area. Uh, you mm -hmm. know he, he's taken on all sorts of roles, run global sales, chief customer officer, uh, really just an, an incredible career. And 
the reality is he's even more incredible of a, a human being and you know just the the, the character the, the thoughtfulness the, the compassion the the understanding that we're at the forefront of a of an incredible wealth creation opportunity from a, a global perspective on cannabis and and really aligning the the, the values that, that we have in this institution matching up with, with him to be able to carry it forward. And so we couldn't be more thrilled to have him join, really you know, to come in from a, a real CPG marketing branding lens, really to help us to, to take the, the monogram products and our partnership with, with Jay-Z and Rock Nation and, and be able to take that uh, across the country and across the globe. So really taking us as a, a single state operator vertically integrated like many of our, our MSO friends out there, um, but then adding this additional component of really being able to take the, the branding side and the product side to, to a whole nother level. But I don't think any other canvas operators has been able to, to attract this type of talent to come in and, and lead the organization. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, the parent company uh, does stand for for social justice, and, and and you have a lot of different initiatives, and of course Jay Z, who is who is an investor and your chief visionary officer, is also very committed to the cause. Um, but you know, to this point, you were the CEO, right? So, what will be your role now? You know, and and why do you decide to to give up your spot? And, and again, I, I say, you know, it makes sense from a from a, a social equity perspective, from a, from an optics perspective, right? It's like, okay, like, why doesn't this company have an African-American as the CEO? But like, why, you're, you are the CEO right now, right? Why do you do you choose to, to move on to a different role? And what is that role? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality here, I just want to be very clear, is that Troy is the best person to lead this company, period, full stop. Right. And so I understand that there, there definitely are narratives around it. And we're highly supportive of the idea of, of demonstrating that that we do um, walk the walk as well as talk the talk around what we're looking to do here. But but really, this comes down to any company should constantly be looking at how they're attracting and retaining the best talent, how they're up leveling what they have to be able to take a company to its next S curve. Right. And really. I was in a great position to be able to help us through a despacking process, through an integration process, really leveraging my core capabilities and experiences within transactions to be able to yeah. do that. You're yeah, more of an m a guy than a CBG guy. Exactly. Uh, I, I, that this just if, if you look at my resume, it couldn't be any more different than Troy's when it comes to uh, him focusing on the, the CPG side and me focusing on the, the financing and transaction side. And so, yeah. Again, I look at it as uh, there, there's there's different courses for different courses, and and the course that we're on here on a go forward basis is CPG and brand driven, and and that's really where we needed to bring in somebody who has that incredible level of expertise to do it. And and no surprise, my focus area will be one helping to transition everything over to to Troy, giving him the the best. A running start that he possibly can have here as he transitions into the cannabis industry. Uh, he's extraordinarily knowledgeable. He's done his research and his diligence before coming over. You know, he really will hit the ground running. And my job is just to make sure that, that he can run as fast as he possibly can to really help lead us in that expanding national and global direction from a brand perspective. Um, I will then continue to focus on that, which is my, my, my core superpower, as we like to call it here, uh, mine is really around M&A and partnerships, 
And so I will really be focused on our consolidation strategy in California, our out-of-state partnerships, and really the structuring of those for us to be able to do the, the co-manufacturing and licensing of those brands into other states. Uh, also to support where I can on our social equity uh, corporate venture fund to help through that process of what we're looking to do there. And really just to help drive further expansion, whether that's organic or inorganic. So that's awesome. I want to come back to that in a second, especially the, the social equity fund piece. But Steve, when it comes to the numbers that you guys just put out and when it comes to your role shifting into more corp dev M&A focus, again, speaking as one partnerships guy to another here, right? You guys have an extraordinary amount of cash and equivalents, right? It's somewhere north of 250 million, right? And you're talking about being what, what's the number you service? You, you, you've expanded your reach to almost 70% of the just, California market. Just over 70%. That's insane. I mean, Javi and I spoke with Mitch Khan from Grassroots and Cure Relief uh, mm -hmm. last week, right? And he was on here talking about the fact that none of the bigger players have touched California. Everybody's hands off, right? You guys have killed it. Now you're a single state operator in the biggest market looking to expand further. So I'd love to hear a little bit more on, you know, how this, the strategy has shifted for you, how the, the gears are ratcheting up in this new role for M&A and corp dev and expansion. What markets are you looking at? Uh, you know, anything that you can shed light on there, man. Yeah, no, I mean, really, when we look at it, the, the opportunity in California continues to be extraordinarily robust. The original strategy we had around helping to consolidate California to try and drive, you know, more MSO type of economics and really to be able to take substantial market share in the, the largest market in the world. That still is our focus. I think one of the things that's really accelerated for us is when we laid out our D2C strategy, it was really a, a process where we thought by the end of this calendar year, we'd be at about 75% coverage. And by the end of 2022, we'd be at around 90% coverage of California's population. Um, really, when you look at what's happened within the delivery market and really the acceleration that's happened by the Apple App Store allowing you to have an app on there for cannabis, as long as you've geofenced it within your geography, which we have, then, then you have the ability to be able to do that. That really for us is, is a game changer. We were prepared for it. We launched our app uh, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, and that, that really, we believe, is, is kind of the inflection point that we've all been waiting for on the direct-to-consumer side is how are we able to engage with consumers the way that they're most familiar with, with engaging specifically on an e-commerce platform perspective? And that's with apps. It allows for way more customization, way more tracking, way more opportunities to, to really give them what they need in that individual space. And so for us, we see this as the key catalyst. And so we've really stepped on the accelerator around ensuring that we have the back-end infrastructure to support statewide delivery. And so we've really said we're gonna, we're gonna move faster in our efforts to drive towards having a broader scope of that delivery platform to be able to do it. Also further enhancing it with our, our loyalty programs that we've launched and putting more products out there to put into that direct-to-consumer channel. So really a, a core component of what I'll be focused on in the next 90 days is how we, we you know, accelerate that expansion within California so that we blow past 75%, hit 80, 85%, be 
here by the end of the year so that we can ensure that as we do these statewide uh, advertising, marketing, customer acquisition campaigns, that we really can service the vast majority of the eyeballs that are, are seeing those campaigns and, and really become the, the trusted delivery operator for them. Definitely. Now, you know, doubling down a little bit on this, right? $257 million is both a lot of cash, enough cash, and not enough cash to become the uh, preeminent player that you want to become. Are you planning to raise uh, money in any form in, in the near future to continue to fund this? And, 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 and especially now that you're taking on, you know, this, this more of, of an MA focus role, right? And uh, I suspect you'll want to pursue even more aggressive um, M&A. Are you planning to raise money? Uh, look, we're always evaluating capitalization strategies out there. Um, you know, at this point in time, as you mentioned, we, we do have a pretty impressive balance sheet. I mean, it is an incredible competitive advantage here in the California market to be able to have the largest balance sheet by far of, of players who are focused on this market. Uh, but as you said, capital is king. Uh, you can never have enough or, 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 or too much of it. Um, you can go look towards Canopy and they, the, the billions that they've raised and it still is not enough, right? So we recognize that we always have to be prudent and fiscally responsible with the capital we have. It's, it's not our capital, it's our shareholders' capital. We need to do the best that we possibly can to execute on our strategy, to bring in accretive acquisitions, to bring in uh, things that support our long-term strategy and that we can operationally improve. And, and that's really what we're gonna focus on doing. Um, the amount of capital that's required to do that it really depends on the, the, the form factor that, that the actual transactions are taking place. And so we constantly are evaluating what that looks like. We're evaluating what, what capital markets look like, what equity raises, debt raises can look like. And, and you know, at this point in time, are we going to go pull an immediate trigger to, to go do something like that? No, not, not in the near term. I'm not sure how you define near term. I feel like near term in cannabis can be six weeks yeah, versus six months. And so, uh, there's not something that's on the horizon. In fact, if you look at it, you know, one of the things that we, we did announce was uh, a stock buyback program of $25 million, where really as we look at the, the cash that we have on balance sheet, and, you know, frankly, we believe is a disconnect between the, the valuation of our, our stock as it's traded in the market as versus where we actually fundamentally believe it should be. And so as we look at it, we're really going to continue to deploy that, that, that capital prudently. I will always be an advocate of us looking at opportunities for enhancing our balance sheet. It would be irresponsible of us not to constantly be evaluating that, but in, in the immediate short term, we don't have any significant plans around that. Cool. So I want to I want to jump back to your your social equity venture fund for a second, um, and I'll use that to to potentially talk about how you're expanding, right? Uh, the strategies that you're using. Let's say you are going to move into a different market in the near term, right? Um, are you looking at uh, investment in certain businesses being the first method of doing so? Are you looking at M&A being, being top of the list? I mean, obviously, I'm sure it'll be a mix of all of the above. But what's most accretive to you guys and your business? And, what, and, I, and I guess the overall theme, the overall brand that you've built. You know, what, what, what seems to be the, the front runner? Yeah, I, again, I would say that as, as you correctly put it, it's, it's a little bit of all of the above, which is 
we want to examine the opportunities in front of us. We want to understand the landscape, and then we want to pick those that we think are best for, for TPCO. And so, you know, what, whether that is investments, whether that's, you know, equity investments, debt investments, whether that's outright acquisitions, whether that's partnerships and joint ventures, you know, all of that is on the table. And, and frankly, there are so many opportunities there. That's part of the reason that I'm really looking to refocus my efforts in those categories. Um, I would expect that you'd, you'd see from us as we're, we're doing some of these expansions in other states that we will look to, to apply some capital towards those partnerships. We really look at them as opportunities for us to accelerate their ability to expand in those states and, and for our brands to be over the top of those. And so I absolutely would expect that as we, we move forward uh, and look at these out-of-state partnerships, that there will be a you know, a, a alignment of interest that needs to take place from a, a, a capital structuring perspective on what we're, we're looking to do. Um, in, in regards to, you know, the, the social equity venture fund, um, we think that's another opportunity for us to, to be able to partner. So it's not just with the large MSOs, but there, there are plenty of incredible entrepreneurs out there that are just struggling to access capital, yeah. just like a lot of larger companies are. And, and we feel like we can really help serve as a catalyst with the capital, but also with the expertise, the guidance, the technology, the software to be able to help and assist. And so I, I think as we look to move into new geographies through this asset-like model of licensing, you'd also expect to see our social equity fund follow suit and go into those same geographies. You know, a key component for us on evaluating criteria for social equity investments is something that we can not only apply our, our capital dollars towards, but we're able to apply our on the ground expertise and capabilities, whether that's our capabilities or the capabilities of those future partnerships that we're looking to do. Because we really find that you need to create that network effect to help enhance and to, to get through what are the inevitable roadblocks and stumbling blocks that happen in the cannabis industry. And knowing that we have the support there from an operational perspective, not just a capital perspective, is imperative to our, our social equity strategy. Definitely. Um, I'd like to go back a little bit into into earnings, right? Uh, you had net sales a little bit over four, $54 million, almost 19% growth uh, quarter over quarter. Now, on the EBITDA front, you had a loss of, of a little bit over $10 million, right? And, and we do know that for for the cannabis industry, this this there's this panacea, right? Hitting positive EBITDA. Um, what, when do you think that will happen for, for the parent company? Um, and, and what is stopping you from reaching uh, positive EBITDA or, or what stopped you during the, the second quarter of 2021? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question. I mean, as we look at it, I mean, just as kind of a reminder, we, we did remove our guidance back in Q1. Uh, we did that because, again, the, the predictions around the, the actual success and closing and timing of, of M&A and the consolidation strategy that's imperative to what we're looking to do. Uh, really is hard to predict. Of that being said, when we look at it, you know, our goal would be in 2022 to, to become uh, EBITDA positive uh, within uh, that year. Uh, again, a lot of that's going to be dependent on our ability to uh, go ahead and, and roll up the, the industry and really to get enough of the direct-to-consumer assets to allow us to drive the business. Mm -hmm. But we really are in growth mode. I mean, we look at the California market and there's no operator has double-digit market share. I, mean, I, I can't name another CPG category where you, you don't have within a geography, especially when it's confined the way that it is, 
that does not have double digit market share. So we really look at that opportunity still being there. And so we're, we're spending and, and building the infrastructure, not for a company that's doing, you know, $50 million of revenue in a quarter, but one that's going to plan to do, you know, 100, 150, 200, $250 million of revenue in a quarter. And so that infrastructure is costly, that infrastructure of doing business the right way. You know, it, it's an investment and it's an investment that we think is a prudent investment and a good use of our capital today, knowing that what that growth opportunity looks like. We're not building the business for today and to harvest returns today. We, we haven't even begun to hit the, the tip of the, the iceberg of what we're looking to do within California from a market share perspective. Uh, as that grows, you know, by two, three, four, or five X, then we'll start to look at opportunities to, to really be able to further optimize and focus more on a, a bottom line business versus a top line business. Mm-hmm. That, that being said, we're always constantly looking at opportunities uh, to cut costs. No one wants to waste money whatsoever. So you've seen with our integration efforts that we've shut down three facilities. We've put a couple up for sale. You know, we, we terminated over 75 people uh, that were redundant positions from the bringing together the three additional companies. So we're always constantly looking for how we're being efficient with our capital, but we really aren't watching necessarily from a, as a bottom line driven business today for a growth business today that bottom line component will really be a, a 2023 and beyond for so so right now you'd say it's it's more like so revenue is more of a priority than than margins are it's margins are not a top priority for the company at the moment yeah as long as it's it's smart revenue i mean let's be clear we're, we're, we don't want to go chase uh negative gross margin revenue on what that looks like our <laughs> focus is on d to c which is the highest margin opportunity for us given the robust cultivation and manufacturing capabilities that we have today and so really being able to to provide the consumer the experience not just of the brand but of actually purchasing from us is incredibly important and so when we look at that we're going to continue to invest within that area of the business but i would absolutely look at things such as the, the number of consumers number of transactions as long as those are continuing to grow with the business and then we feel good about it. Then we feel like that we're headed in the right direction. You know, if there's a period of time where we start to represent a large enough percentage of the transactions happening in California, and, and we feel like that's actually becoming an opportunity where the, the CAC to LTV ratios aren't hitting the thresholds that we're looking for, then that's where we're really going to turn and look to, to harvest profits. Awesome. You know, wh- one more thing, since you brought up, you know, sort of your, your, your goal to, to obviously be responsibly using your capital and investing it in the right places and, and being focused on, on what matters to grow the company today for the shareholders. I think that that's really important. And obviously, where my mind goes is these social equity investments, you know, Josephine and Billy's, the peak, right? There's so many investors, especially of the younger generation, who want to see that ESG involvement. They want to see that social equity component in the in the companies that they are are trading and investing in but i'm i'm curious is there anything you got you're looking at right when you would make these investments or maybe even before you make them what are you looking at in terms of of what you want to see from a company that you're investing in right either are you looking at a potential return at some point and that's part of of weighing that option are you looking at just supporting these businesses you know, help us understand a how you're making the decision, and b, you know, how you're talking to your shareholders about why that's important. 
Yeah, so to, to be very clear here, th this is a, a corporate venture capital investment arm. So we are seeking strategic investments that are providing positive returns. So th th this is not a, a charity fund or a grant fund. We do see this as an evergreen opportunity to make investments. And we want positive returns because then we return more capital to the fund to be able to make more investments in the next wave of entrepreneurs, while also building up a class of entrepreneurs that will help support tomorrow's entrepreneurs. So we really look at this almost in that Y Combinator type of, of concept of being able to deploy the capital, build up successful set of, of entrepreneurs, create our own you know, pay, PayPal mafia of entrepreneurs of color within the, the cannabis sector, and then have them be the ones that are continuing to invest alongside us with what they've been able to, to gain out of their uh, experience within cannabis, both from a, a financial perspective and an experiential perspective and to be able to then lead that into those next generations. We also see this really as a, a beacon, and we, we hope that it's a model that others will follow. Uh, it feels like we haven't quite seen the, the amount of follow-on that we would expect from uh, others within the, the cannabis industry across the United States and across the globe to, to follow suit and do something similar. Understandable, probably, you know, something a little wait and see and see how it rolls out from our perspective. Um, we think it's going to be incredibly powerful, not just in the aspect of financial return, not just in the aspect of doing what's right. And that's important to us from a values perspective. And we know that that will align us as well with, with shareholders who, who share those values. And, you know, it's important to, to ensure that the owners of your company are also aligned with your, your, your vision and, and, and your value set and your, your core corporate culture and really driving that forward. When we look specifically at the investments themselves, we are looking for scalable investments, right? And so for us, uh, yes, there'll be opportunities that, that come up all the time that, that we look at and we just really have to, to address like any investor, you know, is this truly scalable? Is this something that we can see becoming a, a larger platform or becoming a, a nationally recognized brand? And, and, and so those are the things that, for example, and Josephine and Billy is what, what Whitney has built there is, now, this is just store one in the beginning of, of what's going to be a, a larger franchise of Josephine and Billy's that's really focusing on the consumer from a, a, a women of color perspective in cannabis. And, you know, it's woefully underserved category. And, and we think uh, Whitney's doing an incredible job building out that retail experience. And we see that and we see that this is not about one store in L.A. This is going to be about a dozen stores in California and it's going to mm -hmm. be about you know, tens of stores, uh, maybe we'll get to 100, right, across the country as, you know, Whitney goes to, to build out J&Bs. You know, you look at Peaks, uh, what Jesse's doing there, I mean, it's an incredible brand. He really has a pulse on the market, understands it, his ability to, to source incredible indoor cannabis to be able to put out there in the market. You know, again, we, we've seen just from the time we, we deployed some capital to help him grow, He's grown over 20%. That the demand is in, out there in the market, and we're excited to see that. And we're excited to back real, you know, innovators and real people who can see the future, like Jesse, and go, "Wow, this this is the type of person you want to back." So for us, we really are looking for those things that are going to be scalable and impactful as we're we're looking at those initial investments. When I talk to our, our investors about it, and, and inevitably the question does come up: Wait, so is this? charity is this like a corporate yeah. foundation what is this and when we explain no 
It's about investments. It's about returns. But there are also strategic components about it, which is, you know, we continue to be able to support those businesses. And part of that support is, is sharing and, and resources and information. And so for us, it also helps us to keep a, a, a real eye and pulse on developments within the market that maybe are in, in key areas that we don't yet participate in to be able to help evaluate those opportunities. One of the most powerful things about our direct-to-consumer platform is the flywheel effect of information that we're able to receive from watching the transactions that are occurring and helping that to inform our own product development lens. And so it's a similar way that we're able to use the social equity platform to be able to bring back increased information to us so that we get a better understanding of what's going out there in the market. You know, really in the cannabis space, uh, information is not readily available and it's not as easily accessible as you see in other CPG categories. Yeah. That will evolve and change over the next five to 10 years. But today that information is actually extraordinarily valuable and powerful. And that's a fantastic initiative too. Um, Steve Allen, CEO of The Parent Company, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again in the next Benzinga Cannabis Hour. Well, well thank you. Appreciate it. And, and, and next time, hopefully I'll have uh, Troy on here with me and, and you'll get the chance to really see the, the dynamic potential that exists there. Again, could not be more thrilled to, to have oh, you yeah. on board. And, I, I know we'll be happy you in about a couple of weeks. So don't All worry, right. you, you can't get out of it. <laughs> it sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Steve. All righty. Patrick, Javi, take care. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a monster truck driver to deliver pizza. And the neighbors are going wild. You can hear that engine from a mile away, Fran. And he's foregoing the driveway and heading right up the lawn and over the azaleas. What a power move. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. With six-foot tires and a roll cage, this pizza guy could quite literally crush the competition. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com local today.